there's amazing people that are, are trying to move that dial forward. But as young companies coming into the sector, just spending that time to truly understand the, the, the need that you're trying to, to solve and being laser focused on that problem. Silver Adventures is a content and technology company dedicated to improving the lives of older adults through immersive virtual reality experiences. And this podcast is our opportunity to hear from industry experts, thought leaders, and passionate individuals to share with you their knowledge, expertise, and experiences. Welcome to the Age Care Enrichment Podcast. I'm your host, Ash Deneef, and today we're talking to Simon Hazeman. Simon is one half of the founding team from Halo, a young technology company that seeks to empower care recipients and their support network by simplifying communications between all parties of the care process. Simon is passionate about delivering an engaging and intuitive end user experience, and you can really hear that come out in this episode. In this conversation, we talked about the challenges new companies face in the aged care sector, how to ease change in a change-resistant industry, and building technology with an emotional goal in mind. Just before we get into it, I just wanted to quickly shout out everyone who's been emailing the podcast with guest suggestions and feedback. We love to hear from listeners, and you can let us know what you think by emailing us at acepodcast, that's A-C-E podcast, at silveradventures.com.au. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Simon Hazeman. Awesome. Simon, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Thanks, Ash. Great to be here. Yeah. Can we start? You're actually a little bit like me in that you're not from within the aged care sector. Your background is not within aged care and, and neither is mine. How did you end up here? By surprise, I think is probably the best way to talk about it. Both Greg and I, the two two founders of Halo come from backgrounds around technology, you know, contact centres. We both spent some time in contact centres. I've had a really strong focus over the year, years, sorry, in customer experience, you know, customer service, a little bit within the sales and marketing world as well. I'm very much a generalist personally. You know, Greg's done a lot of work with uh, large technology infrastructure and contact centres and things like that. And we both found ourselves, you know, at a point, where we kind of reconnected. Greg and I have been friends for 22 odd years. It's kind of blurring a little bit these days, <laughs> but um, we come from service industries, you know, and technology. And really, as we became, you know, closer to our midlife, you know, our parents were starting to navigate the care continuum for our grandparents at the time. Greg's mum is one of uh, 11, I think, or 12 brothers and sisters, uh, three of which are nurses. Um, my family at the time were very disconnected, you know, through geography around the time where our, our grandparents were were coming into care. Uh, I think Greg and I always knew we would do something together. We always cut on plan that we would do some kind of a business together. And the, the, the stars aligned, so to speak, where we started to work on iterating ideas around a business of some description. And, and it just happened that our families were, were navigating that home care continuum at the time that we started on this journey and really started to see as our families went through the complexities of you know, home care for our loved ones, just really how you know, disconnected things were 
for us as grandkids and and for the family to be able to understand what was happening, being involved and really um, just have insight into what was happening day to day in the care environment, especially as grandkids that were disconnected that wanted to help, but maybe not have, um, or maybe there's a little bit of a barrier that's put up by the the parents or the families around Mm. not wanting to expose you to the things that, that are happening in a really complex situation. So, um, yeah, Greg and I got together and started working through this problem and reading the legislation and trying to understand this sector, this beast that is aged and community services. And really, it just kind of happened. You know, it wasn't necessarily that we'd always envisioned that we'd work in aged care. We joked that, you know, if someone said to the both of us that we we're working within this sector 10 years ago, we probably would have laughed them out of the room. But mm. there was a great connection between our experiences in customer experience or customer service and technology and two types of personalities that we have, we were able to come together to start to solve some of the problems. Great. And I think that your experience is probably one that a lot of our listeners might have felt before. Can you hone in on, on what were the disconnects there when your grandparents were going into a care arrangement? What, what were the sorts of things that were missing? Yeah. So, I think from a recollection of Greg's kind of experience within it, you know, his family were were very much managing the care between the family members themselves. So, they were very involved Mm. in the care delivery and kind of what was happening. And his experience, there was very much a, a breakdown within the family unit because of the the lack of ability to hand off information between all of the people and make collective decisions between that family unit for my within my experience it was the fact that you know our families were disconnected by geography so my family were in the states in new york at the time and we had family members spread out all over Australia. So as the care was being administered or as the care was being provided to our loved ones, we really found that accessing information, understanding what was happening on a day-to-day level, who's coming, when, being able to interact with the services that were being provided, there was no um, way to do that, especially if you weren't, you know, the direct contact, the care advocate or the family advocate that handles the management of the care for the family side. Yeah, fantastic. And I I do want to get more into the nitty-gritty of Halo in a little bit, but you mentioned that you're coming from a tech background and coming into a, an industry that's not known for being super tech savvy. What's the experience been like bringing new technology into, into the aged care sector? Um, challenging. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, and I only say that because I think being self-proclaimed futurists at times, you know, Greg and I came in with very lofty visions of a future that we could see and connectivity and enablement through technology that was possible possible for a future of care and health in general and well-being and all those kind of things. But when we did get into the nitty-gritty, as you were mentioning before, the realities of what was occurring was, I think, very different to, to the perceptions that we had. And it took a long time for us to really start to dig in and, and understand the the realities of what was happening in the sector on a technological sense so mm. we could start to carve our way into it and solve some of the more immediate problems. So in the early days, yeah, we made all the mistakes. You know, we did a talk at uh, ITAC 
year before last, I've lost track a little bit, we were talking uh, really about all the problems we, we made them and trying to solve all of the problems and, you know, where to hone our time or skills, you know, was a, a really big challenge in the early days. Mm. You want to fix everything or, or change the sector and all of these kind of things, but there's very rudimentary and fundamental things that need to happen first to enable that. Yeah, absolutely. And I imagine for myself and for I'm sure some people listening that a lot of the technical specifics will go over heads, but I imagine that there's a certain amount of integration with existing technology that needs to be worked out when you come in with a new product. And look, that's, yeah, it's a, that's a great insight because, you know, I think back around the journey and there's these really kind of cornerstone moments that have happened across the journey that you continually reflect on and our focus on interoperability and integration as part of our technology suite really enabled us to grow and move quicker and connect into a system that uh, or into the technology that is already in the sector because it's been in the sector for a very long time mm. and our understanding of the need to be able to integrate and have everything talk to each other was just such a, a core learning for us and has really been the backbone of, of a lot of our success as a younger quickly growing startup you know yeah I think uh, technology is often, it's got this kind of cold, emotionless feel to it when you say that word, but really at its heart, it's trying to achieve something. It's trying to achieve a certain response or it's trying to make people feel a certain way, whether that's through alleviating certain things or making things more easy. What is it that Halo was trying to do? What's the emotional sort of response you're trying to get out of people or that you're trying to facilitate with the service? Yeah, look, you know, I reflect on this quite a bit because, you know, emotions are an interesting thing where I think it's hard to, you know, quantify what any one person is feeling at any one time, even for ourselves. I think a lot of the time it gets quite convoluted, mm. but we're trying to create simplicity for people. We're really trying to allow people to access the right information for them. So when we think about kind of the emotions behind our technology, we want people to have ease and less anxiety and nearly an empowerment through the technology by enabling the information that's in, important to them. I think there's a lot of stress and anxiety generally in the sector on all parts. So if we can build technology that just enables people to you know, self-actualize, to be able to see the things around them that are important to them, they can, in a sense, you know, um, balance their emotional states. They're able to come with a view of, yeah, really being able to, you know, have that reduced anxiety and, and peace, uh, I guess you would say. Cool. I have one of my grandparents is receiving, is it has a home care package at the moment and, and she's getting uh, you know, different levels of support. What would it look like? Can you talk me through the Halo integration there? What would it mean for me? What would it mean for her, for the care team? What exactly is Halo doing here? Yeah, for sure. So I think when you, you think about the way care is delivered, there is a system of record or a CMS, say clinical systems that are there and a finance system for the funding mechanisms and what what have you. And all of those things have historically been held in, in the back office mm. and in that back office and environment. And where Halo comes into play is we call it the last mile, which is, you know, a new breed style of communication technology that enables, you know, the customer, the family, the support teams and that wider uh, circle of care, you know, the informal carers and that you have around that customer, around that client. And Halo is and a platform that enables 
that data that's held in the background to be exposed out to the client, to that circle of care or the support workers and the families so they can interact with those services. Halo integrates into those systems of records, scheduling platforms, clinical platforms, whatever it might be, to expose that information out to the client, to their family members, so they can start to interact with the services that are being delivered in a more meaningful way. Great. Now, you're using words like expose and bring out, and that implies that this information has not been previously easily accessible. Do you ever get pushback from care providers or people working within the industry that this information is better not shared with the families or, or the care recipient? Yes, I think sometimes, and it's um, based on a lot of different things. You know, in the early days, we you know, I reflect on speaking to some providers just simply about opening up a concierge or self-service capability where consumers could ask or clients could ask questions. You know, there was nearly an apprehension to gain that live feedback. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Providers are very busy doing the day-to-day and trying to deliver services. So, anything that adds complexity to that or another question to answer, there's an an apprehension to it. I think there's also an apprehension generally around just opening up to anybody at any time, really. So having, again, that feedback coming through. On a technology level, though, there's also a lack of ability within the systems themselves to open up and expose that that information to the the clients or their family members. Mm. Uh, And that's you know, due to the fact that those systems in some instances aren't built around that. There's a lot of legacy systems that have been in place for 20 years across the sector. So providers have been working on the data, updating things within those systems over and over again. So they're not ready. The data is not ready to be exposed and transformed, you know, into a a digestible format Mm. for people to actually integrate, um, uh, interact with. So there's levels to it. Yes, there's definitely an apprehension of opening up you know, the Komodo, so to speak, to people because they will see what's kind of occurring, but there's also an apprehension or an ability to actually even open up that data or or that information out to the community. Mm. Who do you guys look to when you need more relevant information relating to the aged care sector coming from outside it? Who's your guide? Look, we are in a very fortunate position where we have a, a growing number of elderly, disabled end users on our platform. We have customer service officers and schedulers and executive team members that we can talk to and, you know, a, a growing list of providers across all different business lines from, you know, home care. We're a very home care focused organization, but work across independent living and, and residential facilities. So our, our go-to is always our customers and, and then therefore their customers, our ability to be able to, again, carve away some of the assumptions and really do that deep learning directly with the customer is really where we find most of our knowledge, you know, is that constant iterations of understanding pain points and what the experience is for all of the different users on our platform. But I think from a very early stage in our evolution, we also understood that it's a sector that is very connected to itself in a sense. So you also we also rely very heavily on, you know, the industry bodies. We're members of ACSA and LASER and we stay very close to the sector as far as those kind of uh, organisations are concerned. We're very active with conferences and, you know, being where the intersection of awareness uh, or attention is, you know, we're constantly trying to 
you know, not only look in our own neighbourhoods as far as what's happening within Australia, but also looking around the world where some other countries, say, for example, the UK, who have been investing quite heavily into, into technology for many years now, in a sense over there, we're able to look at some of those other geographies to bring in insight as well. So customers, you know, the sector, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, internationally, but then also we look to peripheral sectors as well to bring in new insight and, and new understandings of things that we can do to affect change. You're listening to the Age Care Enrichment Podcast, brought to you by Silver Adventures. And we want to thank all of our listeners and subscribers, especially those people who've shared this podcast with a friend or colleague. Because of you, we've just entered the top 50 mental health podcasts on Apple Podcasts, and we're one of the fastest growing health podcasts in Australia. We're looking to take the Age Care Enrichment Podcast to the next level by partnering with great organizations to showcase their message with our rapidly growing audience of Age Care executives and people working within the industry. If you'd like to discuss what an advertising opportunity with our podcast can mean for your business, send us an email. We're at acepodcast at silveradventures.com.au. That's S-I-L-V-R adventures. Remember, there's no E in there. Now, let's get back to this week's guest. Fantastic. And can we change tack a little bit here? Something that I, I noticed when I was doing a bit of digging for this interview is that both you and, and Greg, you're talking a lot about wellness online, and this is something that maybe is closely associated with, with what you guys are doing. Why the focus on wellness? Yeah, look, I think a, a few things, you know, wellness as a concept is being spoken about. Sometimes it's a little bit of a buzzword. We're hearing it through the Royal Commission. We've been, um, obviously, when you look at the aged care quality standards, you know, there's very much a, a lot of alignment to well-being and, and wellness and the individual. And, you know, you look at the rise of consumer-directed care mm-hmm. you know, in the, the philosophy kind of behind those things um, are all about well-being, you know, what is health for the individual, you know, and how can we start to align the services that are delivered to them around their specific needs. And wellness really is more of a, you know, holistic or a way to, for me anyway, to encapsulate a wider view of health, not just the clinical side or the diagnosis and and health outcome side or the service delivery side, but Mm -hmm. how can we create a, a more of a holistic view or 360 view, if you will, of the the customer themselves. I think there's a rise. We're seeing amazing science now around the, the, the rise of the understanding that the emotional, mental, even spiritual health can have on physical health. And when we look at the downstream effects that can have when people start to take more accountability over their own self-agency in their own health and that they can start to affect their outputs, their life, their their health. And so the focus on the well-being for us is really about that, again, that enablement of truly understanding the customer or or the end user in our our case, but and being able to gain that insight into what health means for them Mm -hmm. because health is subjective to everybody. There's obviously good health and what have you, but well-being is around really understanding how someone perceives health and how perceives themselves. And it's, I think, just a wider way of viewing something that 
generally speaking, you know, he's very much focused on diagnosis, on an outcome mm. or a health outcome. And wellness is really a way to maybe open the perception of that a little bit more so we can truly understand what's occurring for the individual. Yeah. Regardless, it's great getting a bigger picture of the the end user as a whole, but it's also it's part of a movement to, to raise awareness of these ideas. Do you feel like new startups or, or new companies in a space have a responsibility to take on some of the issues that are inherent in the, in the industry? Um, look, I think um, each organization has their own focuses. And uh, I think, you know, if, if they're aligned to those things, you know, at, at Halo, I know for Greg and I as co-founders, you know, well-being and your mental health and, and wellness have been things that have become much more um you know, apparent for ourselves as middle-aged people navigating the world. Mm. So we have an affinity to it. So we want to bring those conversations in because it's personal to us and personal to our family. So it's very, very much aligned to it. Whether a younger company necessarily has a responsibility to do it, I'm not sure, but I think it's more so about whether those things are resonating for the, the goal or the problem that you're trying to solve and being quite focused on overcoming that. Yeah. Throughout this journey, coming into the aged care sector, you guys have been learning a lot. You said you're making lots of different mistakes at the start. If you were to come into it again and and to start over, or if somebody's listening who might be trying to bring their own company into this space, what would you do differently this time? <laughs> everything. No, everything. No. Yeah, every all of it. Yeah, everything. No, I think you know with you know hindsight now. In in saying this though, we we did spend a lot of time in the early days just investigating, just asking questions and, and trying to learn. And I know in the early days, I think I got on the phone and, and called maybe 400, 500 care providers trying to understand where there might be an opportunity to build something or create a value proposition or, or understand the problems that, that were occurring. I think in reflection, we probably would have spent more time test and learning. I think if we learnt the lean startup principles a little bit earlier in the piece around quick iteration and mm. quick learning cycles around things, we probably would have been able to get closer to the problems that we're solving today earlier in the piece. And, and that would have been good for everybody, um, the company and our investors and our end users and customers as well. But I think really it's if you could go back again, you just know so much now. So it's hard to really quantify or get an understanding of what we would do different. But I think it would just be to try and understand or, or dig into the core problems that are faced by the providers as opposed to trying to come into the sector with a view of what the sector should be doing mm. and and trying to force that change as opposed to understanding why that change might not be occurring and fixing the peripheral things around it to to get to that end goal of whatever the technology or, or, or product is. Yeah, so that's I guess it's getting past the surface level there and not taking it on face value, but really making an effort to hear what the the real pain points are. What, what are you know? You said you're you're a futurist. You guys are self-professed futurists. <laughs> you know what? What do you think are some some major pain points that you would like to see addressed in in future startups in this space? Um, yeah, look, I think um, 
Yes, we are self-professed futurists at times. Maybe that's not 100% <laughs> correct um, because we are very much, you know, in in the day-to-day. You know, we, again, came in with very much lofty ideals of where we thought the sector could be and we can do it better and the usual things that young startups have in the belt as they start these things. But I, I think that the kind of understanding for us or unlocking the understanding of why maybe innovation doesn't happen at scale across the sector, you know, why there is a lot of young companies that don't make it past the, the first one, two, three years isn't because their technology isn't a good idea or the product or the service isn't a good idea. It's understanding the barriers of entry to be able to get that technology to work. And some of those things for us, the learnings really were around the fact that Providers are so busy reacting to the day-to-day, delivering the services, you know, receiving phone calls and requests and um, trying to enable their support teams to work in the most efficient routes and with the right customers. And they really don't have the headspace, the breathing space to be able to, at times, and it's not everybody across the sector, but actually implement change and change management is a massive piece of the puzzle. And as a young organization and any other groups that are kind of coming out there, you know, one of the insights that we gained is you have to go all the way. You have to do all the work around change management and making sure you un- we understand the reasons why technology at times or, or products and services don't get a, a throughput into the sector. It isn't because there isn't a desire to do it. It's purely because the sector is so busy operating the day-to-day and trying to bring ourselves up to the 2000s. You know, when we first came in, it was post-it notes and Excel call-off sheets mm. and you know all of these very rudimentary forms of communication. So we came in with all these lofty visions of IoT devices and home sensors and you know like the amazing work that you guys do in the VR space and wanting to bring all that together. But there was really some some fundamental challenges that we needed to address first around integration and in- interoperability and um, the change management piece within the organization. So I think you know for us it was understanding that that side, the experience, the customer experience, and that's mm-hmm. the experience for our customers, which are the provider, you know, the experience that we can enable for them um, to help them go through that change management, to go through that transformation, uh, really started to kind of lock our ability to get our technology to high adoption and scalability within the sector. So focusing on those peripheral elements were, were really what I think can, can really unlock things for some of the younger groups that are coming through because the technology may be an amazing futuristic view of what's possible, but unless it's going to work within the current system, you're going to have a lot of troubles trying to get that to really get some momentum. Hmm. And, and all those little, uh, I guess it's kind of like the the sprinkles on top there, having the Internet of Things devices and the, the VR integration stuff. Do you think that we'll get to a place where you'll be able to have those sorts of integrations? 100%. And, and in a way, we're, we're there. You know, it, it's more and more every day, and especially with Halo, we have a very strong focus on integration partnerships, technology partnerships with other vendors. We want to play nice with the sector because we understand that there won't be one platform to rule them all, Mm. so to speak. It is really about best of breed technology 
you know, you have amazing clinical systems, you have amazing ERP system of record or CMS systems that are out there and finance systems that are out there and they all play a role and Halo being the new breed of the last mile communication platform that mm. brings everything together so people can engage and, and connect then allows us to start to be able to plug in IoT devices, VR devices, because it has a place. We can move the data, move the information around that network and enable, you know, these new types of technologies to be able to plug into that system. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, I think it, it ties into this idea that bringing new technology in is actually going to increase the the kind of personalization as well and, and high tech will bring with it high touch. This is a phrase I really like that by having more complex systems that can allow for better communication, you're going to have more touch points with with the care recipients and the people who need it most. And whether you're working in, in VR or you're working in communications, it's going to be something that that the industry will evolve to. And it's only going to be for the benefit of, of those care recipients to have more points of touch. Look, 100%, that's a great insight because when you look at, say, you know, care planning as as a as an activity and um, we were speaking to some guys the, this morning that were, were just talking about the clinical governance across home care is increasing more and more around becoming more outcome-based. Mm. And you look at, say, care planning, for example, which is something that tends to happen every six months or every 12 months there's a realignment of the care plan. But as we can bring more connectivity to the experience, to the sector, we can enable, as you're saying, more touch points in between the visits. You know, it's about what's happening in between the visits, the insights around how someone's feeling or what's happening within their home or whatever it might be that creates this, again, more holistic picture of the client and of their needs so we can respond in in real time so we can stay closer to the evolving need of that person and that will obviously enable us you know or enable your sector to kind of move philosophically from a reactive to a proactive environment and that you know again like we're talking about the start should have downstream effects on the the economic pressures that we're going through and the resource pressures that we're going through so yeah it's really really exciting that's starting to occur now in a more meaningful way yeah, it's very exciting for the future. And uh, Simon, we've covered a whole bunch today. It's been great to look at these different issues. Is there anything else you want to chat about before we leave it there? Yeah, like again, I think we've touched on some kind of really cool stuff. And I think we're as we're maybe touching on at the start, you know, I'm, I'm not the technical one of the the two founders. I, I focus very much on, on the customer side of, of things. Mm-hmm. But for any young companies that are coming through, you know, it's a really challenging journey. It is really the the sector, um, you know, wants that aspirational change. And really, there's amazing people that are, are trying to move that dial forward. But as young companies coming into the sector, just spending that time to truly understand the, the, the need that you're trying to, to solve and being laser focused on that problem. You know, we are only customer experience. We, we Everything that we do is around empowering the customers to do more so we can alleviate pressure on the provider to have to, to do everything for that person. You know, knowing the problem that you're trying to solve and becoming somewhat hyper-focused on that really allows, I think, you to kind of move a lot quicker within the space. So, yeah, no, I think that's kind of all, uh, really. You know, I think the other element is 
for me anyway, personally, and is that, you know, the journey is a, a very stressful one and comes with a, a myriad of challenges. And you know, I think it's like support workers out in, in the field, you know, they spend a lot of time caring for others, but there's an element of self-care that's very important within this journey itself, you know, your personal well-being and personal health that can enable you to, to show up every day and, and affect this change. So I always like to finish off with that kind of a insight that you know, as, as young groups go through this journey, just don't forget about your own health as we try and affect the, the health and care of others. Yeah, very important and a, and a really nice final message there. Simon, thanks so much for your time today. Thanks so much, Ash. It was uh, great to be here. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Aged Care Enrichment Podcast, brought to you by Silver Adventures. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. And if you're enjoying it, please leave us a review. We'd really appreciate it. If you're interested in finding out how immersive virtual reality experiences can enrich the lives of older adults, visit the Silver Adventures website today at www.silveradventures.com.au. See you next week.